This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with the Mark Weber. What's And we are back for another edition of the Outside Kick right here on Most Valuable Podcast, your one-stop shop for all the news. And I say analysis, but really I've been thinking about it. We don't really analyze, we just give our opinions. Analyze. Yeah, news and opinions, I'll say, for the NFL. And this week we got a jam-packed show looking at kind of the Super Bowl. We'll dive more in depth next week, but we've got a premiere. It's never too early to talk about the Super Bowl. That's what Will Bond said today. Then we're looking at the coaching hires. Pat Shermer, you've got Steve Wilkes, you've got um, Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. We're going to look at all of those guys. However, before we get started, got a little housekeeping. Going to get through it quick. Number one, if you have not already, check out Patreon.com in the description. Patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. Just a way for you guys to help support the channel. Also, we're selling MVP t-shirts. I don't know why I did this. I got it. Because Mark's got it on. It's the MVP t-shirt looks like. Everything is down in the description to get your hands on one of those. Also, if you're on iTunes, make sure you give us a five-star rating. Or if you have an iTunes account, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And then last but not least, if you have not already, fill out the MVP survey. Link in the description. We're going through the end of this week, and then we'll give you guys, we're going to respond to um, the survey next week for you guys. And also check out MVP.com, most valuablepodcast.com. However, Mark, we're jumping right in. Let's give a little Super Bowl preview. Not a full one, but mm-hmm. like I said, it's never too early to talk about the Super Bowl. We have our two teams, the New England refs, along with the Philadelphia Stompers. Um, and that's so basically now. That's basically how this week went off, is uh, the Patriots got the refs to get them in. And then the Eagles actually played a game and beat a really good team and made the team look really bad for the first time all year, giving all the credit to the Philadelphia Eagles. Here's my question to you. Mm-hmm. Can Nick Foles overcome Tom Brady? Well, first We're of, overreacting right away. Yeah, first of all, um, thank you to everybody who is you know taking their time in the comment section to already <laughs> yell at Ricky. Um, well, here's my thing. Mm-hmm. The thing with me, it's one play. Sure. The A.J. Bouye pass interference that made it, this was late second quarter that made it from New England 40 to Jacksonville 35. Mm-hmm. That's the bullshit call I thought in the game. Just putting that out there. I didn't Go think ahead. it was that bad. Um, did I think it was pass interference? No. Eh, but there's some other issues there. But anyways, um, can Nick Foles and the Philadelphia Eagles beat the New England Patriots? I mean— Yes, I think they can because they just beat the Minnesota Vikings, mm-hmm. who defensively are a better team. But Case Keenum is not Tom Brady. Sure, but Nick Foles is not going against Tom Brady. Nick Foles is going against the Patriots' defense. Mm-hmm. So when I look at it, I look at it like that. I say Nick Foles doesn't have to worry about Tom Brady. He has to worry about beating a lesser defense than the Minnesota defense. And I think that he can do that. Without a doubt, I think he can do that. Now, the flip side is that you got to stop Tom Brady. Yeah. And that's a different thing. That's going into the question about, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, how their defense is going to hold up. Um, but I don't know. The defense was looking pretty good against Minnesota. Now, Case Keenum and Tom Brady are two very different things here. 
do I think it's likely that the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Patriots? Not at all. I mean, if Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl, I'm assuming Tom Brady's going to win that Super Bowl. If Nick Foles and the Patriots, or Nick Foles and the Eagles, pardon me, want to beat the Patriots, Nick Foles has to have the game of his life. He has to throw for like three three or more touchdowns. Three is a minimal, but maybe four or more touchdowns in that game. He's got to be picture perfect, so no fumbles, no interceptions. However, that goes on his teammates as well. Jay Ajayi, LeGarrette Blunt, they can't be going up. Well, Blunt going up against a former team, too, yeah. where he got a ring. No fumbles from you guys. No drop passes from my wide receivers in Alshon, Torrey Smith, and Nelson Aguilar. This Eagle offense has to be near perfect if they want to overcome the Patriots. Because the one thing Tom Brady, and he does it well pretty much every year, he has not thrown an interception since October 5th was the last, or no, pardon me, I'm reading it um, backwards. It was the day before Christmas, Christmas Eve, was the last time he threw an interception. He threw one. Last time he threw two interceptions, the team, their last loss when they lost to the Dolphins on the 11th of December. In the playoffs, hasn't thrown a single interception. Two touchdowns against the Jacksonville Jaguars, three against the Titans, and that wasn't really a competitive game, and he did throw 53 times in that game. The Eagles need to be near perfect in this game if they want to beat the Patriots. Like the, uh-huh. However, the offense has a good shot to do that because I'm not afraid of the Patriot defense like I'm afraid of Tom Brady. Yeah, as long as, as, long as Nick Foles is going to make smart decisions because, I mean, you know, people talk about, and I'm not saying the New England Patriots defense is bad, but I say their specialty is takeaways. Mm-hmm. That's what they do well. It's mm-hmm. not the rest of it that, you know, like it's not Minnesota where they're just all around a really great defense yeah. or Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, the flip side of this is I, I find it interesting because you look at these two and I'm going to take the, the Falcons game out of out of consideration for, for talking about the Eagles. Okay. I'm just going to look okay. at this, this Vikings game. Okay. And the reason why is because I, I think about. You know, people are going to say Tom Brady is just a better quarterback. Mm-hmm. So Nick Foles doesn't have a chance. Uh, well, they scored 38 points. It's not just Nick Foles. They have a, an amazing run game. They have Alshon Jeffrey had a fucking great game mm-hmm. out there. You know, they had a great game to, together scoring 38 points. Now, maybe you want to argue that towards the end of it, you know, the well, second half really, knowing or not New England, the Minnesota defense was feeling a little defeated and a mm-hmm. little deflated. But against the Titans, thirty five points for New England. So their two highest scoring games, if people are gonna be really worried about Tom Brady, I don't I'm not saying you shouldn't be, but I'm also sitting here saying I don't think that Nick Foles needs to throw four touchdowns to win this game. More so I'll sit there with me. I'm mm-hmm. sitting to where if he throws four or more, the Eagles win this game. However, I think he needs to have a similar stat line to what he had this past week. Completing over, like, it you have a nice, 78% yeah. completion percentage is beautiful. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. You're doing it for your team. Yeah, it's you're pretty, not why you pretty lose. Pretty perfect. You're not going to lose games that often when you're. Throwing that well. Here's the thing, though, and this is why I don't want to take the Atlanta game and throw it to the side. 
because to me, the Viking and Falcon games Mm -hmm. are two polar opposites. If the Eagles play like they did against the Falcons, and the one stat I'm looking at, and I know I'm cherry-picking a stat, but it's super important. If you play a game like you did against the Falcons, where the Eagles commit two turnovers, Falcons commit zero. Sure. Compared to the Vikings, where the Vikings had three turnovers in that game, one of which went back for one of which went back for seven. The other, the offense capitalized. So yeah. really, you had fourteen points off of turnovers, where the Eagles had zero. If you play like you did against the Vikings, you're going to win that game. Mm-hmm. Don't give Tom Brady the ball because, I mean, you look at the last two games for the Patriots. You mentioned it. The Titan game, there were no turnovers in that game at all. Tom Brady didn't need a turnover to be amazing. But you even look at the New England game against Jacksonville. That was a great defense all through the year. Yeah, they were young. Same problem that I had with the um, New Orleans Saints this year. But... That Jacksonville team even had a turnover on a fumble that looked to be a key flip of the game, and Tom Brady still was able to come back and win it. Now, I know that was because on that next drive, Blake Bortles three and out, and Blake Bortles in the offense, I should say, three and out, so of course that doesn't help. But New England even turned over the ball against Jacksonville, and it still didn't hurt them. So that's the thing with me with Philly is they need to be perfect turnover-wise because it doesn't matter how many turnovers Tom throws, he's always a threat if you keep it close. Well, yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's close or not. Tom you can Brady's be down twenty-eight be to three, and he'll come back and win. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, that's the thing about this game. I mean, you have an absolute proven Tom Brady, Patriots, Bill Belichick. You know, eight, everything here is proven. Eight fourth quarter comebacks now for Tom, and you're in gonna, the playoffs. You're going to sit there and say, no matter what, they have a chance to win this mm-hmm. game. Then you have Nick Foles, who is the backup quarterback, who has lost a starting job in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who everyone thought essentially was a flash in the pan, and a really good team in Philadelphia. Not the you know when people looked at the rosters, no one was going to sit there now that Carson Wentz is injured and say, "Sure, the Eagles are the best team in the playoffs." No one was saying that, mm-hmm. except for Eagles fans. Um, and that's okay. They don't have to be the best team in the playoffs. They just have to be the team that's hot at the right time. They just got to play one more great game. And that's kind of what they – it feels like a little bit that they're hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. But you you bring up the point of the inconsistency. I mean you have a game, you know, a 6 to nothing loss against the Cowboys week 17, you know, where you, you kind of felt like, all right, they're sputtering into the playoffs. But they get things corrected. They make it work when it matters. Mm-hmm. And that's really all that matters here. It's just so hard, and, and we're not necessarily ready to make our predictions yet. Um, we're not making picks till next week. But you, you sit here and you say, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, the Patriots, a team that's done it five times mm-hmm. already, and then the Eagles still trying to get that first one. You know, And you just sit there, and it's so hard to sit there and say, I think the Eagles will win, just because – been there, done that. I mean, how you can only say mm-hmm. I picked against the Patriots and been right twice out of seven times. Let me let me ask you this, and this is something that just popped into my head. Mm-hmm. Gronk left the AFC title game with concussion. Yep. He was in the concussion protocol. Yeah, he's going to have two weeks to get through that. There's a good possibility yeah, he could get through that to play. Mm-hmm. Let's say he doesn't. Let's say he's not good to go. 
Mm-hmm. How does that play into it? If Gronk can't go for the Super Bowl. They've won a Super Bowl without Gronk before. But do, do you, it again. but do you think at all that that moves the needle at least slightly towards the Eagles? Slightly, way? sure. I mean, you don't have one of the best receiving weapons on that team. but you The still best have, receiving tight end in the league. Yeah, you still have quality mm-hmm. wide receivers out there. I mean, without a doubt, when it comes to the wide receivers, I'm going to give the edge to the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. I like their wide receivers better. Now, if we're counting um, Gronkowski in there, then okay. Well, I like Gronkowski better than mm-hmm. I like uh, the the tight ends for the Eagles. You know, obviously quarterback I like better, but I like the running backs better over in Philadelphia. There really is so much that is close to this game, and I think that I saw the a percentage of like it's like fifty three percent that mm-hmm. the Patriots win. It's a really close game. It is a really close I'm hoping it's matchup. a close game. I'm hoping it's a good game. The thing that I want to mention, though, because I honestly, looked it up. A lot of Super Bowls aren't. I know. I know. And that's what I worry about. Yeah. And here's, here's what I wanted to bring up because you said you like the Eagles wide receivers better. Mm-hmm. I remember this being a topic. I thought it was us that talked about it. It wasn't. There was a – oh, that's why we did. That was the week. So it was about 10 months ago. We did a video, Dave and I filled in for the Mm -hmm. Behind the Pen podcast Mm. that week. The topic, do Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffries make Eagles contenders? Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Uh, Do they make the Eagles contenders? Then you look back to last season, Mm -hmm. we did a topic, are the Eagles Super Bowl contenders? And then obviously this year, the most recent one that came to be which side was right was who has a better chance to make the Super Bowl, Steelers or Eagles. So, I mean, this team, the reason they're in it is, I'll be completely honest, throughout the entire playoffs, I kicked this Eagle team to the side. I said, no way you beat. Like, early on I said, the Falcons come in, they beat you. Then the Falcons did come in, and I'm like, they still beat you. You beat them. Okay. Then my Vikings come in. Emotional win. We're coming in. We're winning. We're going home to play the Super Bowl. Odds are we're, we went home to clear out our locker room so that Tom Brady can move in to that locker room because they're going to have yep. the home locker room for the Super Bowl because I believe they're wearing the whites for it. Or would they be the roads with whites? Whatever. Doesn't matter. Clearing out the locker room so the Eagles or the Patriots could have it. And this is the thing where I want to throw this at you, where Doug Peterson – has been using the whole underdog thing and playing up the underdog thing. Yeah. Do you think he's got do you think that motivation has one more game in it or does it run short for the Super Bowl? No, I think it does have it does have a good motivating factor. As on the flip side, I think there's a potentially a lot of people in the Patriots locker room that might sit there and say, "We got this." Mm-hmm. Cuz we're the Patriots. Yeah. You know, just we're really you almost lost last week to a young Jacksonville team. Yeah, for sure. And and I'm not going to say that they would have almost lost because they got cocky. I don't think that's it at all. No. But I think it's possible that you could get cocky out there, especially a guy like Tom Brady. I don't think Tom Brady gets cocky. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is cocky because he's quarterback. All quarterbacks are cocky. But you're talking about the fan base gets cocky. Is that what you're saying? No, and that's not necessarily what I'm saying, although I think that it's is how it's coming across. so, yes, that fan base is cocky. Um but on the flip side, the other fan base, the Philadelphia Eagles, are mm-hmm. a very rowdy fan base. Yeah. Um, 
just Chicago things here because we're in Chicago. Patrick Sharp was talking about his time in mm-hmm. Philadelphia when he used to play for uh, the Flyers, and he told a story about how they were playing the Maple Leafs, and there was a car there with Canadian license plates, mm-hmm. and uh, that car did not look the same when the game was over. Now, this is just one anecdotal story, but he he actually brought up the point. He said, it's funny, he's like, maybe that was a Flyers fan who just happened to live in Canada, and look what you did to their car. Maybe. Anyways, not relevant. I just wanted well, to bring up Patrick Sharp. The one but thing I will... I'll, I'll get go to ahead, the, and then I'll throw it out. Where I'm getting with the cockiness, all quarterbacks are cocky, short, but mm-hmm. Tom Brady's not a guy who I worry about losing a game because he's cocky. His is more competitiveness. But if you have a, you know... A random depth player or backup, someone who's going to come in. Maybe it's a special teams player who's not that important when you Mm -hmm. look at the – I don't want to say they're not important, but he's not the crucial catch kind of guy or something like that. But maybe that's the person who makes a dumb penalty because they feel like they do it. Or the person who doesn't put 110% in and messes up and loses a fumble or something Mm -hmm. like that. Something like that if you get cocky, can be really detrimental. You're talking about the turnovers yeah. or a penalty that's very costly. Mm-hmm. That can be something for a younger, less experienced player who feels like, well, we're the Patriots. Of course I we think can win this. this game is going to come down to, like, I have a feeling that this game is going to come down to the one play, one or two plays where it's like, if it went different there or if it went different here, where you kind of look at the two championship games we saw. Where the Viking, I, I got this when Dan Patrick and I'll ask you the same question that the Danettes asked him. Which, if you were a team, you were a head coach, how would you rather lose? How Jacksonville did or how Minnesota did? Jacksonville. Really? Yep. Wow. They, they, myself and Brandon, all said like the Vikings. Because I feel like if we lose like the Vikings, <laughs> when you lose like the Vikings, you sit there the whole time thinking. What the fuck is wrong with this team? Why can't we get it? At least the mm-hmm. other game, I can sit there and say, we played really hard, and then we just got outplayed. See, I'm on the other the side, ends. and that's why I'm bringing that into— I think into... the Vikings game is embarrassing. Well, that's an embarrassing, embarrassing loss. Well, the other one, at I, least you put up a fight. i rather lose that way, though, because of like I'm bringing into this situation, and I feel like the Super Bowl is going to be closer to the Jacksonville Patriot game because— if I lose like the Vikings did, mm-hmm. I'm sitting in that locker room going, they just played better than us. It was their day. We didn't show up. I'm not thinking about it on the plane See, I don't think home. of it if they played better. In that case, I think of a, we played like shit. Well, yeah, we played like shit too, but it's – there's no – you can't mm-hmm. go back and like, well, if I would have done this different or if this would have been – which if you're in Jacksonville flying on that plane home – you're sitting there going, oh, I'm sure you are. Well, oh, if I like Blake Bowles, oh, if I would have just converted there, or if I would have done this, but at least you were competitive. Yeah, but I'm saying like dealing with the loss afterwards. I'd rather yeah. lose like the Vikings because it would be easier to deal with. I'd, I'd rather have the pride in my heart that we showed up. I think the Super Bowl is going to be closer to that Jacksonville mm-hmm. Patriot game. That's my ultimate point. To where the losing team will be sitting there going. Man, if I would have done this, or and people are gonna like, I feel like it's gonna be one of those games where, for example, this is how I'm picturing it in my head: quarterback goes back, he goes to pass, the pass comes off, and it's like the guy coming around for the strip sack was just like this, this close from getting that sack, and it's like that's the scene we see is that hand just barely with 
as the quarterback gets that pass off or like a cornerback where it's like going for the tip and it just misses the fingers. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel like the Super Bowl is going to be. It's going to come down to one or two plays to where it's like, man, if the ball would have just bounced the other way, we're talking about a different story. I'm on the other side. I don't think this game's. I mean, I don't you think it's going to be a blowout. No, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. But I think we're going to be looking at probably a double-digit loss for whichever team is going to lose it. No overtime like we did last year. Nope. Do you think? Let's say either team goes down early. Mm. Does either team come back to make it a competitive game? If they go down by like let's say three, I could see it. Yeah, by like twenty twenty four points early. I could see it, but I don't think we're going to have that exciting of a fourth quarter. Here's my last question for you, because mm-hmm. this is the most important part to the Super Bowl. Yep. What do you expect from the halftime show? It's JT, Justin Timberlake. I like Justin Timberlake. Um, you know the last time he was on a Super Bowl, right? Was the Nips. Was the, yeah, the well, Jan the, Jackson. I guess it wasn't a Nips. The like, it was just full on boob. I'm, um, I'm going to have you naked by the end of this song. And Boom. then the he actually he was on a Super Bowl show before that, too. Was he? Because NSYNC was there. That's right. They did one. But the last one he was on was at Patriot. Yeah. Uh, that it was, was pa- the boob one. Patriot Panthers was the Super Bowl. And if that tells you anything, that means the Patriots are going to win. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're wearing white. JT's doing the Super Bowl. We're going to probably see another boob. We're going to probably gonna see great. another boob. Um, no, I, I I like Justin Timberlake. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't like his new song very much, but, you know, whatever. Do you think he does the same thing uh, Beyonce did, where Beyonce brought Destiny's Child on? Do you think we Do you think we get surprised in sync at the— I think he could, but the thing I think that holds me back it. from it is— it. Instinct's already done it. I know. Bringing them back doesn't do very much. Where on the flip side, if he were to do something else, you know, oh. he brings someone that would be a complete surprise. You know, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters show up, and apparently mm-hmm. they're doing a thing. That's not going to happen. I just really want the Foo Fighters <laughs> to play a damn Super Bowl show. That is my dream. Do you Besides think they ever Prince, play a Super Bowl show? Would they? They would fucking no, play no, in a like the NFL would no. would invite them to play a Super Bowl show. I don't show. think so. The NFL wants it to be too— Like a pop concert. Yeah. When was the last time we had a, like a, a rock band do it? Yeah, The Who. I mean, the Chili Peppers were involved with—was it Bruno's? Yeah. Um, They were involved, and they didn't even bother plugging in the instruments because they— it was fake. We all knew it well, wasn't a real thing. Wasn't that the same thing with the Who? They said with like something with the um, with the uh, the drummer of the Who had like the mm-hmm. earbuds in or something, and it was something he had the where, inner like, ear. He's not even playing or something it. or something. Well, like that. that's the problem with a lot of these type of things. You're right. Like, it was the Bruno Mars yeah. Super Bowl. Sound for a rock band is so difficult to pull off. One on live TV, mm-hmm. but two in an environment like that to where the echo. Uh, yeah, and and for the live TV element of it, it's such a difficult thing for them to mix live and have it sound decent. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why any late night TV show when you see a rock band and you know they're playing and you're just like, oh, it just doesn't sound right because it's a difficult thing to pull mm-hmm. off for TV. Um, that's why a lot of them just don't do it. They, well, they pre-record like, stuff, and then they just play that instead. Well, and this is the last thing I'll do before I kick it to them. It's kind of like um, what they always – when I was trained in music, they would always say, like, oh, if you're going to sing the national anthem in a stadium, put the earbuds in. Don't listen. Don't listen to what you hear. Yeah. Just sing it and just go, okay, I'm going through it, and don't listen to what you hear because mm-hmm. that sound's bouncing back at you. Shout out to Prince and his – 
in his Super Bowl performance. That was that was probably my uh, well. I, this, I loved Bruno Mars. This would have been the Super Bowl. This would have been the one to have Prince at in Minnesota, especially right? if the Vikings were playing. I know they're not, but if they were, like the whole, it was great. like this would have been the one to have Prince at. Prince's Super Bowl performance is one of my all-time favorites. Do you know what year that was? Uh, two thousand six. Was it? Yep. Prince halftime. It was the the Bears Colts. Was it Bears Colts? Yep. I'm fact checking. Yeah, I don't know. Yep, you're right. 2007. Yeah, I, I just wanted to fact check. Oh, 2007. It a bit. I'm sorry. Well, 2006, yeah. 2007. That's the thing I hate. Wikipedia goes off of like the season it was. Yeah. I always go off of what year the Super Bowl was in, and that was 2007. Was what that was in. However, we are. Totally off topic. I am kicking it off to you guys now. Let us know what you guys think down below. Can Nick Foles overcome Tom Brady? And what are your early thoughts on Super Bowl Lee heading into the Super Bowl in two weeks? But, Mark, we're moving on into our next topic. And now we're talking coaching through the entire podcast. We're looking at Pat Shermer, looking at Mike Vrabel, looking at Steve Wilkes. And the first one we're going to look at is we're going to New York. We're going to the G-Men and Pat Shermer. And I'm just going to ask you right off the bat. What does Pat Shermer mean for the Giants and for Eli Manning? I think that, honestly, Pat Shermer can have um, some good kind of transitional um, energy to this to this team. And, and what I mean by that is we know that Eli Manning's going to be gone. You don't bring a guy like Pat Shermer in to coach up Eli Manning. Eli Manning is already a good quarterback. You might get him to rein in Eli Manning a little bit, um, and that's okay. Uh, what I think the thing that I think the Giants see out of this is this is a guy who worked really well with a questionable quarterback situation, and he made it work in Minnesota. And I think they see that for the future. Eli Manning, they don't know if he they got one year out of him, zero years, two, three, but eventually they're going to be drafting a quarterback. It very well might be this year. Mm-hmm. They want him to be there to be a good stabilizing force to get the most out of whatever quarterback is there. What I really love about this is nothing for for the Giants necessarily, but it's just the fact that Pat Shermer, a guy who I like him quite a bit as an offensive coordinator in his times doing that, and you know, especially now with Minnesota for the reasons I just said, working with that questionable quarterback decisions um, or situation, I should say. Mm-hmm. But the man got a second chance. It's a guy who failed in Cleveland and is getting a well, second I mean, chance. Come on, how many people? Can succeed in Cleveland. Oh, I don't blame him for failing. No, in Cleveland. I know Cleveland's a terrible place to be. Like I am, this is kind of like a promoting an outside source, but it's just so perfect when it comes to Cleveland. Where um, Chart Party on SB Nation's YouTube, they did a entire history of the Cleveland Browns. I brought it up the week they did it. It is perfect in chronological like chronological yeah. order of how bad Cleveland is. So it's like. The thing that I think about coming into this— And this was the Colt McCoy time, by the way, that he was there. When Colt McCoy was in Cleveland? Yeah. Huh. Here's what I think, though, and here's what I'm thinking in my head, is we did a segment about, what, two weeks ago? Two, three weeks ago where we talked about the Giants Mm -hmm. and what they could do in the draft at number two. Yeah. We talked about what they could possibly do, and I don't know if you remember—do you remember your standpoint— I wanted them to draft a quarterback. Okay. You're never going to be in this situation again. Do you remember my standpoint? What I was really You wanted them, on, I think, to trade it. I was all on the trade machine. And the reason why it was a week ago as of right now on YouTube, you guys can still check it out, 
I was all on the trade. However, at that time, I was convinced Pat Shermer was going to Arizona. He was going to bring Case Keenum with him, and they were going to reunite in Arizona. Yeah. Now that he's in New York, I am completely flipped onto your side of the table. That's right. The Giants are taking a quarterback at number two. You bring in a guy that people call a quarterback guru. You call in a guy that can work with a quarterback when yours is, I'm not saying get rid of him this season. I'm not saying do what you did this past season. I am saying he is on the way out. He is getting older, and he's not going to be like Tom Brady. He's not going to play until he's 50. Here's the thing, though. They're going to draft a quarterback. That's what I think. I know there's going to be people because they've been in the comment section before, and this is my time to bring them into the conversation. Sure. There might be some people, and there are, that say, but Ricky, but Mark, what about Davis Webb? What about Davis Webb? They have Davis Davis Webb. Webb. You don't think he's the future for the Giants? Yeah, I don't know why there's there's been quite a few Giants fans out there who are very big on that. Well, we have Davis Webb. Mm -hmm. Every team always has a mid-round quarterback that they drafted recently that for some reason we all think might be the guy. You also have Geno Smith. Yeah, teams do that. You draft a guy just to see what's there. And then the flip side is this is not Shermer's guy. Mm-hmm. In this interview, I guarantee you, Shermer did not go in there and go, I really like that Davis Webb backup quarterback that mm-hmm. you guys have. Third stringer. Third string quarterback that you guys Gino's have. That's bat. true. Remember, Gino, Gino came, in. came in. Davis hasn't played at all this and season. And I thought that was very telling that Gino came in instead of the rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, that's not what's going on. That That's a good eye. I mean, this reminds me of in Chicago, because we're in Chicago. David uh, Fails? Well, not David Fails. I was actually going to go with Nathan Enderley. Who was oh, drafted the during Whitewater, the, the Wisconsin? No, no I'm thinking Blanchard. Yep. Uh, Enderley was this really tall guy, a Mike March type of quarterback, the guy who's going to take seven steps backwards, tower over everybody, and just throw it. Um, he's with uh, Miami now. Wow, he's still in the NFL. Interesting. Um, but yeah, oh, he, no, never mind. He's he's not. He, okay. His picture was in a I was gonna Miami. Say, Enderley, I don't. But his, his last NFL job was a practice squatter in 13 for the Chargers, and then he went to the Portland Thunder in 2014. Fun. Um, but, you know, that was a guy, a, an offensive coordinator who wanted his guy. He mm-hmm. got a quarterback that was his guy in probably the fourth or the fifth round or something yeah. like that. Um, and then got fired. Then Martz is out. Enderly didn't even last to the next you know, the next Yeah, era. he only spent one year in Chicago. So that's what I figured, you know, kind of pictured Davis Webb is. I'm not saying that he's going to be gone. I'm not saying that at all. He will still be on that roster. He'll probably mm-hmm. be a backup quarterback. But for sure, I think they'll go out there and they'll draft a quarterback still because they brought a guy mm-hmm. who is well-known for dra- are developing young quarterbacks. Sam Bradford is the huge one. This is the – I mean, I know Colt McCoy was there, and that's nothing to get excited about. But – Sam Bradford was the big one of Sam Bradford's rookie year. Mm-hmm. Who was he with? Pat Shermer. That was his guy. I mean, that was his well, uh, he's offensive been, coordinator or quarterbacks coach. He's been with Sam Bradford three times. He's yeah. been with them um, in But I'm St. talking Louis. about his most impressive yeah. time was that rookie year. St. Louis, Philly, and in Minnesota. And then also I would say that, yes, this year – you can put a lot of the um, achievement on Case Keenum because he went out there and actually performed. But how many people thought that Pat Shermer, who will be calling the plays in New York, it is official, 
called a playbook for Case Keenum that put him in success Mm -hmm. so that he'll be able to go ahead and have the season that he did this year. Yeah, I like the potential with the with the Pat Shermer hire. I really do. I you know when it comes to what's it mean for Eli Manning, I mm-hmm. don't necessarily know that it's going to do that much for Eli because Eli's a proven vet. He's where he is. I I only throw that in the title because there are some people, and Brandon's mm-hmm. one of them. I am throwing you in here, Brandon, out. who thinks he's out this off season. I that, don't think so. That he thinks that the Giants drafting a quarterback will make Archie and the Mannings be like, we want out, we want to go I wouldn't be where... surprised with that, but I think Eli is the more level-headed. I feel like Plus, you... New York loves him. Did you see that yeah. standing oh, ovation? Course. Like, they love him. Yeah, but Indy loved Peyton. I know, um, but that was a neck injury thing. Yeah, and I think that was a different situation. I mm-hmm. think that Andrew Luck is different than, you know, Darnold or, or Rosen, mm-hmm. whoever you end up with. But... um so, yeah, I, I th- definitely think there's some chance there. But Eli, I think he'll be what he is. But, you know, Shermer maybe will be able to do a better job of play calling. You know, I think that could certainly help and improve. But Now, here's the thing that I worry about with this offense, where in the draft, number one, number two, which first off, going back to Davis Webb for a hot second, who would you rather, like, honestly, tell me who you rather have. Yeah. Josh Rosen, who if we're going to our mock draft, we both had Rosen there this this yep. time around. Josh Rosen, third round Davis Webb. Now Josh Rosen, yeah. third round Davis Webb. And to Webb. be fair, because someone's gonna say in the comment section that their stats in college you are comparable. Mm-hmm. They do have comparable stats. And I, I'll get that. But it's not just about the stats, though. I mean It's about I look at Josh Rosen's film and I go he is a better quarterback to me yeah. than Davis Webb. And and I, I like what we have out of Rosen and I actually think that day one, Rosen's the better prospect. Well, I should say prospect, that changes the meaning. But he is the better quarterback to start day one if yeah. you had to have quarterback A and B start day one. Exactly. Now, prospects, that can be a different story because mm-hmm. Darnold I think has a little bit more potential tools like I out said, there. Like I've said. Darnold higher ceiling, Rosen higher floor. Yep, exactly. Like, that's exactly it. Now, the thing that I think is going to be a question mark for this team and could take some time is the weapons around it. Because the thing that Pat Shermer had, I'm going just off of Minnesota because that's where he's coming from. This year that made that quarterback transition to be easier, you've got you've got Thielen on one side who... Let's be honest. No one thought he was going to be what he was, yeah. but he's quality. On the other side, though, you had Stefan Diggs, who is our true number one. You knew what we were going to get out of Diggs. You also have um, Kyle Rudolph, who, to me, second best passing or sure. second best receiving tight end behind Gronk you know in my a, mind. You know he's, on, he's coaching the Giants, right? No, no, no. But here's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'm relating that. Then you had the run game of this year. Yeah. Yeah, Dalvin Cook goes down, but he still had Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon to work off of. Now you're with the Giants. You don't have you don't have in my mind the closest guy you have to any of those receivers potential is the tight end in um, Ingram I, that you guys drafted last year. You know the, that Odell Beckham Jr. is well, on this team. I mean, besides, they have uh, Sterling on this team as well. They have some weapons. Odell is there. Odell is your Stefan Diggs. They have the some thing, great weapons. Here's Sterling what I, Shepard. You don't like Sterling Shepard? 
I'm not. I'm injuries. off a little bit. That's, injuries this year. I'm not the hottest on Sterling. I'm, Odell. I love it. I love Odell's that. another thing where this year was the injury. I'm sorry. That was my fault. However. And you even took down Brandon Marshall. Yeah. The one position. I forgot about Brandon Marshall. Yeah. The one position, though, that they don't have that they could sure up in the draft, but I don't think because, like, you see the running backs that are there, Nick Chubb, you've got Grice. It's running backs. I'm not solid with any, besides maybe, like, a Wayne Gallman, but Gallman isn't a first stringer to me. He's the backup to yeah. your first stringer. That's the position they need to sure up. Maybe they do it in free agency. Maybe they do it in the draft and get a young guy to pair with Rosen as they come up together. Yeah, and if they really don't want to go, if they're really hard on, they do not want to go with quarterback, well, Saquon Barkley's going to be there at number two. I was going to ask, do you think it's a possibility they go Saquon over quarterback at two? I do think it's a possibility, yeah. Um, do I think it's the right move? Not necessarily, but I think it will be a successful move. I mean, if you put if you put Barkley on this team right now mm-hmm. with Eli Manning with healthy wide receivers, it seems going to the playoffs. See, uh, the I don't ol- doubt it at all. The only reason I don't like that decision with a Pat Shermer is it's not what he's it's not his background. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I don't like that because then to me. You're, I don't want to say mortgaging your future. That's probably not the, wor- the word I'm uh, looking for. You're putting your future in um, jeopardy in my mind because Eli's 37. Eli's going to be – he just turned 37. So next year he'll be 37. He's maybe got three years left until we start talking about the 40 number, and I don't think he's Tom Brady. I don't think he's playing well into his 40s. I think you got two years before we seriously talk about getting rid of Manning three at the three at the most. I would get a quarterback over. I know Saquon will be there, and you'll be like, "Well, we could get this running back for Eli to use." But then it's like, okay, once Eli's done, what do we have behind him? Oh, remember when we could have drafted that Josh Rosen kid? Then we wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah, and the flip side is, you know. They could just say, we'll get a free agent quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a tough gamble to take. But I think you get a guy like Pat Shermer who's worked with young quarterbacks. I mean, we skipped a big one with Donovan McNabb. He was a quarterback coach for Donovan McNabb. True. Um, and, you know, it's a guy who is good at shaping quarterbacks, is good at working with young quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not going to let him have the opportunity to work with one. I know Davis Webb is there, and maybe, sure, maybe he does like Davis Webb. I don't really know. Um, and maybe that is something that's appealing to him. But I just don't think – when you get a new coach, what do they want, Ricky? They want their guy. They want their guy quarterback. Yeah. And Eli Manning, I'm sure he is just fine and just happy to have Eli Manning. But he wants his guy to be in the – you know, he wants his guy on deck. He's coming up next. That's what you want. I'm going to throw out an absurd question. Sure. You ready for this? All right. Um, So after the Steelers' loss, Le'Veon Bell came up and said that he would contemplate um, retirement. Where he, he clarified this in a tweet that said, I'm trying to win a Super Bowl. I can care less about what happens after the season. My biggest thing I'm focused on is this team, and I'm on right now playing for and with my brothers, 
and bringing back a seventh ring. This was before they lost. As long as it's not um, a walkthrough. What happens next year is irrelevant to my goals. Because what he said was he'd contemplate retirement. This was coming into the Jacksonville yeah. game if he was franchise tagged. Here's my question to you. Let's say the Giants go, we're going to go Rosen or Darnold at two, whoever's there. Mm-hmm. Do you think it would be crazy to think that the Giants, if the Steelers franchise tag Le'Veon, go, we'll offer you. We'll offer you something for Le'Veon Bell to bring Le'Veon to New York to be the running back instead of going with, like, a Saquon. I don't think it's crazy because, I mean, if they want to win a Super Bowl— could you Getting imagine running back would be great. on the Giants with Odell Beckham now, and Eli? Now, I don't think the Steelers are dumb enough to let anybody touch Le'Veon Bell. If the right offer's there, but what would they have to give up to? That's the thing. What would they need to give up to get Le'Veon? Probably mm-hmm. not realistic exactly. to bring him to the Giants. That's why I said let me throw out something crazy here. You can have him, but you got to give us your entire draft next year. Go for that. The good old classic. Well, not just that. If mm. they were going to trade for Le'Veon, who's to say the Steelers go, okay, we want your number two. We want Rosen. <laughs> we want Rosen. We want Donald. You know that quarterback you just drafted? Give him to us. No, no, no. I'm saying before, even if it's before yeah. the draft, it's like, no, we want your number two then because, hey, we're in the same situation. Big Ben, every single year we're contemplating if he's going to retire or not. Exactly. Yeah. I Trades, no, it's not going to happen by trade. But, I mean – It'd be nice. But there are some free agents I'm looking at here that could possibly be stopgap guys. Frank Gore, if he doesn't come back to Indy, like I would take yeah, I him guess. over Darkwa. I mean, mm-hmm. you can have guys like I, I wouldn't take Jamar Charles. He was injured this year. But like LeGarrette Blunt, he could be looking. I don't know if Philly's going to re-sign him. I know he's got one more game to play. You've got guys like um, Eddie Lacy, Darren Sproles, Le'Veon, but he'll probably probably get franchise tagged Carlos Hyde if the 49ers don't franchise tag him or mm-hmm. re-sign him there are guys that you can go ahead and try to get to help that out in free agency but there's no free agent except for like Gore Blunt or um Le'Veon yeah that is like that's our number one with these running backs I think that's the big problem for the Giants is the run game that they have. I'll be completely honest. When I was bringing up the wide receivers, I was looking at our lads who has the injuries. Sterling Sharp is there, but they do have Odell. However, it comes back to the question that, I mean, the Cowboys are facing is when you have a receiver, a high-profile receiver like um, Odell or Dez, how's your team going to do long run? I mean, look at the Super Bowl teams. Where the Patriots, they're kind of the anomaly where their best receiver, Julian Edelman, has been injured the whole year. Yeah. Still make it to the Super Bowl. I know the TB effect. However, then you have the Eagles who, yeah, they have two former number ones in Torrey Smith and Alshon, but neither of those guys are on the superstar level or contract level money-wise of a Des Bryant or an Odell in my mind. Well, contract-wise, I think Alshon Jeffrey might get close to it because he took that one-year deal. True. So but he, like that su- man's getting paid. But, like, superstar-level top-five atmosphere, yeah. people are putting There's a great Odell chance the that, that Alshon Jeffrey is not going to be in Philadelphia next year. Yeah. Um, Do you think Bear fans look at this and go, I knew we should have kept him for one more year. I knew we no, should have paid well, him the money. What was he going to do for us? 
Look at the team. Could have won a couple more games. Could have gave Mitch Trubisky someone to throw to. Who cares if we win a couple more games? You're still <laughs> then you're what a seven win team instead of a five win team. You're still not going to the playoffs. Just a thought that I had, Mark. Just a little inkling of a thought. There I was had. a part of me watching him play. I was like, man, I missed that guy. I even mm-hmm. you weren't part of the group text. Oh, I, don't I think I turned point. that thing off. Uh, but I, I, you know, Dave and I both were like, wow, I missed that guy. But you miss him because you want a good receiver. But realistically, it's it the same thing that I've said is it with nostalgia. Like, and you think exactly. back to the good times. It's the same thing when people talk about we should have gotten rid of Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs, mm-hmm. Devin Hester. Tillman, we shouldn't have. Well, Greg Olson, we should have kept. Uh, <laughs> we shouldn't have gotten rid of Lovey Smith. All those old guys, no, they were done. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you got to be Bill Belichick and know when to move on. Yeah, Brandon Marshall, he was one too. Mm-hmm. Um, Moose, bring back Moosey Muhammad. I mean, that's, that's who the, you bring that's back. The key. How old is he now? Forty. <laughs> uh, you have to know when to move on, and that was just a money situation. You couldn't pay the man. And he did and honestly, Chicago did offer him to, and he didn't take it. Muhammad is now 44. Wow. He is 44 years old. His last year in the league was 2009 when he played for the Panthers. Good times. He went back to the Panthers after you guys to finish out his career. 44 years old, though. Yeah, bring him back for a couple more years. I think he can catch some. Any final thoughts on the Giants before we move on to uh, the Tennessee Titans? Um... No, I, I just think that I don't think Eli's going anywhere, and I think we'll see a young guy developing soon. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. Giant fans, do you like the Pat Shermer hire? Number two, what do you guys think the Pat Shermer hire does for the Giants and Eli Manning moving forward NFL draft and for your season next year? But, Mark, let's move on into our next topic, and we are looking at the Tennessee Titans, who this one is very, very confusing to me because the best way to kind of chrono- like put in chronological order yeah. how the Titans did things is if you look at the MVP Twitter and how it like transpired, Sean put it perfectly. There was one day where Sean put, and he quoted a tweet that they were going to keep Mike Malarkey and he said, are we sure that they're, like, are they sure that they want to keep this guy? And then the next day it's like, well, they fired him and hired Mike Vrabel. And Sean quoted that and said they weren't sure. Mike Vrabel, head coach, Tennessee Titans, Mike Malarkey, he gone. So I'm going to ask you, is Vrabel the right guy for the job? Is he the right coach for the Tennessee Titans? I, I don't think that he is. I it's a confusing hire to me. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, get really down on him um, as a coach, but he had he had the one year experience as a defensive coordinator. Before that, there honestly wasn't that much experience. I mean, he's only been a coach since 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, I don't want to completely get down on that. I mean, look at McVeigh. You know, Chicago just hired Nagy. Filippo uh, is a really hot conversation topic mm-hmm. here. You know, there are options for for these guys who might not have the m- most experience. But my big thing is is this: he's a defensive guy, mm-hmm. and what is the criticism that most people have with Malarkey? He's not getting the most out of Mariota. So now you're going to bring in a defensive guy to get the most out of Mark. Now Mariota. here's the thing. Here's what I'm going to say is. I believe if I heard this right, um, I don't think he's 
I'm trying to think if he named I. He has not, as far as I've seen, he's not named any office. Okay, because I heard um, Todd Haley just got hired to oh, one of the jobs. Maybe he did. Um, but look, one of the things is that with that though is it all depends on who he is going to bring in to be his offensive coordinator. It's the Cleveland Browns that brought in okay. um, Todd Haley. Um, however, whoever he brings in, because the thing that I think of is a team we just saw in the NFC title game. Mm-hmm. Look at what the Vikings were able to do, where, yeah, you've got Zimmer, sure. who is a defensive coach, calls the defensive plays as the head coach, and kind of sets up how that team thinks in general and how they act. But he had a great mind this year in Pat Shermer to be able to call the plays, work the offense. Yeah. If Mike Vrabel can find his guy to call the plays on offense and work with Mariota, then I don't think him being a defensive guy will be the knock. It's if he hires the wrong guy for the offensive coordinator job, and then he's not able to get enough out of the offense. Because if the offensive coordinator can't get it, it's not like he's going to say, well, fuck it, I'm calling the plays now because he's a defensive guy. Well, my my problem with that— would kind of be this, and going back to the experience, which I don't want to be that to be my big thing. I'm harping be on that but, guy, but it's one thing when you're Mike Zimmer, who is 61 years old and has a shit ton of experience, bringing mm-hmm. in Pat Shermer and saying you can control the offense. It's another thing when you're a guy who has seven years of a coaching experience, who's the head coach, who has to bring someone else in to be the guy in charge of the offense. Let me ask you this. You're basically not the head coach then, I wanna, in my eyes. I want to ask you this, and this is from the um, Tennessean.com. Okay. What if they brought in Chip Kelly to be the offensive coordinator? I would love that. I would hate it. I would love it. Do you really think – remember Chip Kelly. Remember Chip Kelly in Philadelphia, Mr. Mine, mine, mine. Mm-hmm. I'm in control of everything. You really think that a guy with about seven or eight years of coaching experience is going to be able to handle that monster of mine, mine, mine? I'm in control. I'm Chip Kelly. I'm the genius in the room. All I'm thinking, yeah, here's the thing. I think it'll be the way I look at it and the reason why I would like that. I'm not saying that would be my main. Well, two things. Mm Mm-hmm. Not because I wouldn't be like that's the number one guy I would go after because the article is that um, it's Titans Mike Vrabel targeting Chip Kelly's former uh, – he's targeting Chip Kelly um, as the offensive coordinator. And I would like that because it would be, you know what, yeah, you got to deal with that part. But I think of it almost like what you would say with Mark Helfrich being with the Bears of – with the Bears, you said, well, I don't mind that because Nagy's going to call the plays. All that um, Helfrich has to do is be a creative mind. Well, with Vrabel, it's like, hey, you don't have to worry about anything with the how the whole team structures. You don't have to have all the responsibilities like you did with Philly. Mm-hmm. All your responsibility is is running the offense, calling the plays, and getting the most out of a quarterback you and know I'm like the back of your heavily, hands. heavily doubting Chip Kelly would be okay with that. He is God again well, over that, in UCLA right now. And that's the thing where it's, oh, that's right, he did get hired yeah. at UCLA. Um, then I don't know what this article is I mean, it's not that he can't about. get out of that deal and go, go mm, over here, but... I'm an idiot. Okay, faux pas on me. I'm an idiot. It's, they're not targeting Chip Kelly. 
mm-hmm. they're targeting Ryan Day, who was the offensive former offensive coordinator with Chip Kelly. I apologize. I'm an idiot. They're not looking at Chip okay. Kelly. Makes they're looking at the yeah. former. I I read a little bit more than just the first paragraph. They're looking at a former offensive coordinator, which I wouldn't be against because of, like I said, if he was with Chip Kelly's system, yeah. he knows what to get out of a quarterback like Marcus Mariota. Apologies. Yeah, it's it's something that's potentially able to be there. I don't know. To me, I just sit here and I think the thing that made the most sense to me was Josh McDaniels, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. That made so much sense to me. Um, I even would have taken Pat Shermer to Tennessee. That would have also made sense to me. How about just keeping Mike Malarkey like you said you were no. going to? After, here's the thing with that. Well, they, they fucked that up for well, sure. It's once you say we're keeping you, keep them. Like, why? What? I want to know what was the main thing that made you go, nah, no, and then boom, we're hiring Mike Vrabel almost immediately. Well, they, what I've seen, and this might just be gossip or rumors or something like mm-hmm. that, is, but they, they gave him a deal to basically say, say that we tried, but they gave him a deal they knew he was going to reject. Is what I you're talking about malarkey? Yeah, is that they gave him a deal to say we gave it a shot, knowing he wouldn't do it. It was it's mm-hmm. political theater in okay. a way of saying you know we're gonna put this out there because it makes us look better, mm-hmm. um, knowing that it wouldn't happen. And then he lost, and they got the right to get rid of him. Why you did that? I don't think you needed to do it. You don't owe the guy anything if you're firing him. Just get rid I of him. I just would have just, just fired him. I would have just said you're fired, and then moved on. With the guy, the only thing that I worry about, like the thing that I worry about with this hire is are we going to look back at this and think, man, if they didn't hurry so much, if they did basically what – and here's the thing when you get into the playoffs, like the Bears. I'm going to use them as an example because you're a Bear fan. We're here in Chicago. They're basically like the Los Angeles Rams of last year where – didn't make the playoffs, knew the coach was getting fired. They were able to do their due diligence. We're going to bring in this guy. We're going to bring in this guy. We're going to interview, interview, interview. And then they made their hire. After making the hire, Nagy was really good with, I want you, 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 shoring up the staff. Yeah. But getting the head coach was not rushed. This, I have a feeling, I have just a small inkling, we're going to look back and say, why didn't they just do their due diligence? There are guys out there. Why didn't they say we're going to interview this guy, we're going to interview this guy, we're going to interview this guy, and then go ahead and make the call for Mike Vrabel? Like, yeah. I feel like it's going to be too rushed, and that could be what we're looking at three years down the line. I mean, apparently they really like him is what it's got to come down to. I just sit here and I think about the Houston Texans, and I'm like, that's a good defense, but man, is it stacked with talent. Mm-hmm. Well, and the one reason that hurt them this year is injuries. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but the the thing I'm kind of looking at that is, you know, and I think that actually I wasn't going to bring that up, but sure, I'll mm-hmm. take it. Is you have a team that's stacked with talent, and when injuries happen, next man up didn't quite work out, mm-hmm. and then he's going to get promoted. I'm not saying he's a bad defensive coordinator i'm not saying he's a bad coach i'm just saying i don't see why is what i'm saying and i'm gonna 
similar to something like McVeigh, similar to what I said with Chip Kelly in mm-hmm. San Francisco. That did not work out. Uh, McVeigh has worked out. Is I don't get it, but I'll let them. I'll let them prove it to me. Well, you know, the only thing that I'll say is that I get it is on the side of they do have a strong defense. Like it's not Viking strong. It's not no, Eagle it's strong. It's a affordable defense. Like yeah. it was able to being down 21-3, I believe it was, hold the Chiefs and allow that offense to get back. I know the Marcus Mariota play was a huge spark in that game, mm-hmm. but the defense is good. The defense is there getting a defensive mind in there because the defensive coaches, like, I know we get a ton of comments in the comment section of, like, it's an offensive league. You need a guy who's going to push the ball downfield. You need an offensive mind to work with these young quarterbacks. Let me get that for my offensive coordinator. We have seen it work on the defensive side. It's just got to be the right situation, like I said. Yeah, I don't see that being an issue, but I just look at the team and I'm like, you're an offensive team. Mm-hmm. You are not a defensive team. I mean, you have a good defense. Unless they want to switch that. Which is, mer- they could like that do that. Identity. But at the same time, I'm like, what is your big investment right now? Marcus Mariota. That's the big thing that you have. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what I view as the team, the face of the team. You can definitely switch. I'm not saying you can't switch. Go ahead and do it if you want. Commit to it then. Um, but I just look at it and I think... I'm just surprised you didn't go offense. Offense is where your team seems like they needed well, help. That a big thing that people are saying is that Mariota did a lot of play calling himself in that playoff win. Mm-hmm. So you definitely need someone better play calling. So I think that's if they get a good hire for offensive coordinator mm-hmm. and that's a good relationship with Mariota, then all right, we're good to go. But if you don't get that hire right, then I think this can be a dangerous situation. Here's the one thing I look at this year. And, of course, teams like, I'm going to say, Carolina, I'm going to say Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and then I kind of want to throw Atlanta in there. Besides those four teams, you look at the teams that lost wild card weekend and divisional round. Kansas City. Their defense wasn't as strong as we all thought it was at the beginning of the year because of injuries, they were a pretty good offensive team mm-hmm. lost in the wild card round. The Rams, yeah, they have a good defense, but an offensive team with an offensive coach, they lost in the first round. You've got Carolina. Yes, they have a oh, pretty good defense. Cam Newton, though, in that offense, though, is what we were really looking at. They lost. They're a team I'm kind of like, eh, because that defense is pretty good. But yeah, like, I would say their defense but, is better than their offense. We talk really, about the, the defense of Carolina, not the offense. But really looking at the divisional round, the Saints are the big one. The Falcons, even though their defense is better like better or on par with the Saints, and the Saints isn't chopped liver defensively, then you look at the conference championship. Everyone except for New England because they're the anomaly. Jacksonville, phenomenal defense. Yeah. Vikings, phenomenal defense. Eagles, I would say this year, great to phenomenal defense. Mm. Like I think you're getting a little excited. Well, there. I'm just saying, like out the of, offense is what we talk about in Philadelphia. Yes, but yeah. the defense is like out of the teams in the playoffs, the Eagles defense is something to be reckoned with. It's not like, well, we can 
push this defense aside, they don't sure, do anything. Sure, it's not forgettable, it's, but it's once really again, their, the offense is... It's really their front seven. Like, I look at the Vikings in Jacksonville, those are more complete defenses. Like, for yeah. Jacksonville, they have playmakers on each level. Same with the Vikings, where mm-hmm. with the Eagles, it's more the front seven. And that could be a thing that I think that Tennessee looked at. Is it's I know possible. this year's an could be an anomaly, but it's like, hey, look at the final four teams. Three of them had really good defenses. Let's flip it, build our defense. We have our quarterback of the future, and let's bring this guy in to build our defense up. It's possible. The one thing I would say, correlations don't mean causation. Mm-hmm. So you can't get too excited about something like that. But at the same time, the NFL is... You know, it moves in waves. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we have a really hot mobile quarterback. Everybody wants mobile quarterbacks. Now we got a really strong defense, and that was successful. Everybody wants to build that defense back up. People just follow whatever looked successful mm-hmm. for somebody else. I mean, it's a league where everybody steals from each other. Um, so it's totally possible that that's the direction they want to go in. And he had to have done something that that got them excited. I mean, I know I sound very down on it, but that's just cuz I don't get it. I don't see it. Mm-hmm. I am willing to be proven wrong and I will be happy for Tennessee fans if they do it. I have nothing against the Tennessee Titans. I like them enough as a team. I'm fine with them being successful. So you, you know what this it. almost reminds me of when I hear you talk about it. Hmm. It's not exact, but it almost reminds me of last year. When I asked you the question about Sean McDermott, I said, can he end the Bills' playoff drought? And you said, "Not." you're like, probably not this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if like two or three years it happens. That's kind of what I'm hearing out of you right now, where it's like, I'm not hot about this, but maybe in two and three years it pans out. Yeah, yeah, it's a thing where I'm not completely shut off of saying, no, 100% this isn't working. It's just the... It, it's not where I would have gone. Mm-hmm. Maybe it can work out. We'll see. Any final thoughts on this before we move on to the Arizona Cardinales? Um, no, I, I we're going to have a lot more to talk about the Tennessee Titans once mm-hmm. they get coordinators. Well, this is where you guys come in. Titan fans, let us know what you guys think down below about the hiring of Mike Vrabel. And if you're not a Titan fan, still let us know what you think about Mike Vrabel going to the Tennessee Titans in the comment section. But, Mark, let's move on into our final topic. We're looking at the final coaching hire, head coaching hire from this week, and it's Steve Wilkes becoming the head coach of the Arizona Cardinales. And before we get into this, I got two quotes that I want to read. Well, really three, but two of them are a part of one. The first one is a headline from azcardinals.com, and it says, Steve Wilkes, you guys made the right decision. Very short, very simple. The one from ESPN, though, is probably the one I love the most, where in his first news conference laid out the plans to win a Super Bowl, and here's what he had to say. When you look at coming into a new situation— We always talk about trying to establish a culture. We want to establish a culture of winning. And I want that culture to transcend not only with the players and the coaches, but with everyone in the organization. It's about a commitment to excellence and everything we do is going to be um, predicted towards or predicated towards that. 
excellence when we go on the field in the way we tackle, the way we block, the way we catch, the way we cook the food, the way we operate in the training room, the way we answer the phones, and the way we cut the grass. There are many parts, but we're one body at work, end quote. There's a couple things in here. First off, I love how he uses the word that you absolutely love, and I say it sarcastically. Got to build the culture. Got to establish the culture. I use it a lot. Doesn't mean very much. And you get sick of me using it a lot. It just doesn't mean anything. What do you think of these quotes from Wilkes in his first press conference for the Cardinals? Part of me kind of is like, well, I like it because you're coming in there and you're saying I'm demanding excellence. I want everything mm-hmm. to be perfect. We don't mess around here. It kind of almost reminds me of Tom Coughlin of coming in here and saying we're on time. We're on Coughlin time. Set the clocks five minutes forward. <laughs> Set or your watches five minutes. Um, and you know, I think that's stupid. But now, I the thing I will say uh-huh. is setting the clocks five minutes fast is one thing. But like I was always told in high school. When it came to like being to rehearsals on time, it was yeah. if you're early, you're on time, you're on time, you're late, you're late, you're dead. Yeah. Like that's how I was always ingrained into my head. So like the clock thing, maybe oh, yeah. moving them forward but physically is a that's stretch. That's a common sports thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's silly that we're on Tom Coughlin time. No, you just, you just, instead of a meeting being at five, it's at five fifty. It's at four fifty five. Yeah. Now you just. It'd be Set bad it five if, minutes early. It'd be bad if you showed up at 555. <laughs> You'd be like, where's everybody go? Uh, but anyways, you know, part of that reminds me of, of the Tom Coughlin type of thing of mm-hmm. coming in here being kind of no-nonsense uh, no type of a guy. And he goes so far to be no-nonsense where he says, hey, let's talk about the elephant in the room. We don't have a quarterback. We need mm-hmm. one. Um, unfortunately, like I said, joke to you, it's not because Carson Wentz <laughs> is bad. It's because you he retired um, that they're saying they don't have anything. He but, also used your favorite word, White Sox fan. This is yeah. not a rebuild, it's a retool. There you go. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I think, actually, that's the perfect segue for me, is so a lot of this, to me, feels very cheesy, feels like he's saying the right thing. Yeah. Has he got the pom-poms going? Kind of. It sounds like, to me, the and we've all had this boss at one point in time, he tells everybody what they need to hear. Doesn't mean he's actually going to do it. He just makes everybody jump on board, makes everybody like it. Doesn't mean he's going to do it. Now, the flip side of it, and the thing where I do have some confidence with Wilkes is just Carolina. I mean, I know that he was only the Mm -hmm. defensive coordinator for about a year, um, but he was there with a huge amount of success that they had on the defensive side of the ball um, all the way from 2012 through just now, 2017. He has seen some success. Mm -hmm. He has helped build up such a strong defensive unit, which I know this year and last year they they had some rough moments here and there, but they still have fought really hard and been really strong. And he's not going to an Arizona Cardinals team that has no talent. They've got talent out there. They just need to kind of fix some things that are wrong, put out some of the fires and you know build on some of the things that are being successful. So it's not a bad job. Uh, he definitely can be successful. I certainly doubt that. I certainly uh, believe that, you know, what I'm just, I, I, I said it with, with Matt Nagy in Chicago that you hear this press conference and the press conference doesn't mean anything. Yeah, but Who you, cares? you liked what you heard. From I Nagy. liked what I heard from him and with Steve Wilkes, I'm kind of like, man, I think you're trying a little hard right now. You want another but one I don't that think went it over the matters. line? Sure. Here's another one that went over, like, 
I like what he's saying, but yet again, there's two things that I will not tolerate. That's pre-snap and post-snap penalties. Pre-snap to me is a sign of being undisciplined. Post-snap is being sel- is a sign of being selfish. And everything I'm talking about is about team. Again, it's not about me. It's not about them as individuals. And it's about us. And that's what we're going to focus on. See, and that would make me, if I was a player, I'd be like, yeah, okay, coach. Like, roll your eyes and like, come mm-hmm. on, coach. We know. However, we know. The thing I do like in that mm-hmm. is the sense of no as a fan, not that part. It's the, okay, mm-hmm. cool. I'm not going to see dumb penalties out there because how many times do we watch teams and there's a post-snap or a pre-snap penalty and it's like, come on, what are we doing out there? Yeah, for like, sure. That's the one thing where it's like, okay, I get what you're saying. I like that you think that. But are you crossing the line a little bit to try to get a point home? Well, yeah, I, I think I sit there and I say, you don't need to say it. Mm-hmm. You know, there just were, do it. There were people here in, in the Chicago uh, sports media with Nagy, because mm-hmm. I think it's a good comparison because of the press conferences, Yeah, where they were upset that he never mentioned how he one of his goals is to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And he, his, he said in response. That's always the goal. Yeah, he said, I don't think it's necessary to say that. Basically, I mean, he said it differently, but that's essentially mm-hmm. what he's trying to get across. Where, like, you know, Steve Wilkes to come in here and, and immediately talk about how, you know, a goal is to win a Super Bowl. I said, they're going to go, well, yeah, you want to win a Super to Bowl. To me, it's kind of like saying. You don't need to say it. It's kind of like telling someone, like, hey, I'm going to brush my teeth tomorrow. Good. Where it's like, okay, or like, hey, I'm going to take a shower tomorrow. Okay, thanks for telling me. Like, mm-hmm. shouldn't you automatically yeah. do that? I mean, I, I think. We're criticizing the press conference mostly just because no, it's I'm, fun. Yeah, but like, and I like we've said before, watch the Matt Nagy podcast. You know, it's we the press conferences are dumb. They're mm-hmm. silly. They I don't know why they even exist. Well, I mean, um, I'll relate it back to like I said when I would watch my um, Illinois basketball when John yeah. Gross was here. Every press conference, even Tim Beckman to a point, even Lovey Smith now, mm-hmm. watch the press conferences, and I loved it. But then it's like I'd watch the product on the field and I'd go, what the fuck is going on yeah. here? And For like sure. that's why press conferences, I mean, it's easy to make fun of them. But really it's like, okay, I'm not going to take any stock in well, this yeah. until I see what's going on on the field. Exactly. And that that's exactly what it comes down to. I mean, he's just kind of saying things that a, a, very, cheesy, a very cheesy TV show head coach of a football team would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, you know, I love Friday Night Lights. Coach it's Taylor. One of my, it's one of my favorite shows of all time. Clear but ass some of hearts. the things that Coach Taylor says, if you actually said that in a locker room, <laughs> the players would be like, all right, Coach. All right. Hey, man, clear eyes, full hearts. Hey, that works. I'm okay with that part. But <laughs> with, However, the mm-hmm. Billy Bob Thornton version, would that be, was that kind of had some cheesy moments? Did it not? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. Of course. You know, it's Hollywood, but that's what it sounds like to me. Mm. It almost sounds like Steve Wilkes talking the way he thinks a head coach should talk. Al Pacino and maybe and that's just any the given way Sunday. he is. Try yeah. to give the Any Given Sunday speech. Maybe that's just the way that he is, mm-hmm. and he really is that that type of guy, and that's all right. Um, a speech giver? Yeah, a very, like, I got to work on this speech for the team right now. But I do think that he's going to go in there and he's going to say, no nonsense. Mm-hmm. We do our jobs. We don't mess around. There's not going to be penalties. We are going to be a good, disciplined team. We are going to be successful. I definitely think he is that guy who will get that out of players, 
And I think that Arizona is a good place to do that. The unfortunate thing he's going to have and a thing that could potentially cost him a job if they mm-hmm. don't fix it soon in two, three years, there's no quarterback. Here's what I'm, I was just going to bring that up. Mm-hmm. You know who's going to be the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals next year? I hope Carson, uh, not Carson Wentz, uh, Kirk Cousins. Nope. I would love Kirk Cousins. Sam Bradford. Ugh, I don't like it. Here's why. Here's what I'm thinking. Drew Brees, New Orleans not going to let him go. They're going to get him to a contract. They're not trading him. Kirk Cousins, although I would hate it, I think the Redskins are going to franchise tag him. I don't think they let him walk. He's going to get paid $34 million this year to be a Redskin quarterback yet again. The next best free agent quarterback when it comes to, like, Case Keenum, I think he gets franchise tagged by the Vikings. I don't know if you want Ryan Fitzpatrick. Josh McCown has already come out and said he wants to come back and play for the Jets. Jay Cutler, he came back for one year. He's probably going to be like, I should have just fucking stayed retired, although I did get a paycheck for this year. Then you've got, like, Matt Moore. Geno Smith could be free agents. Your best bet might be, hey, besides drafting a rookie, because the question still becomes, like we talked about, do you go and get one at 15, or do you wait to get one, or do you trade up to get one? Or do you say, hey, you know what? We're going to go defense at 15 because in our mock draft, there's after like the teens, it was late teens and on was when we had a lot of defensive players coming off the board. Does Wilkes go, no, 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 we're going to take defense because we signed Sam Bradford to be our stopgap for at least a year? I don't know. I don't know about Sam Bradford, but I get what you're saying. I just think he's going to be the best option out there for him. Um, could trade for potential Super Bowl winning quarterback Nick Foles. True. That's possible. Could also offer a trade for, let's say they franchise tag Kirk Cousins. Okay, we'll trade for him. Yeah. Because we want to go ahead and have him. Or, hey, we want to go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, they can trade. Well, Mike Glennon, won't he be up? Won't he be a free agent? No, yeah, a three-year deal. I thought it had an out after one year. Well, there might be an out. No, no, it's just that they can cut him. There's not okay. a lot of dead money. Are they going to cut him though? I thought that I, I thought the, I thought the plan was to cut him after the one year. Well, I mean, they're not I gonna, that was the, the Bears big aren't going to go out there and say we're going to cut Mike I Lennon know. after year one. But I thought that the big thing that Bears fans loved about the deal is that you guys could get rid of him after this that one they year. Could yeah, but will they? You know who could be a possibility depending on what happens. Mm-hmm. Tyrod Taylor. That's what very if he true. either gets cut or do you go ahead and try to make an offer for Tyrod? I can see it. I mean, I don't know if you make an offer for Tyrod. I would wait and see if Buffalo's going to yeah. cut him. But, like, that could be a possibility. If he gets cut, he's ultimately, besides Breeze and Cousins, he goes to the top of the board on my mind of free mm-hmm. agent quarterbacks. Now there's a guy in Minnesota you could go for. You guys keep Keenum, and then they can trade for, instead of Sam Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, no, we're re-signing Teddy. We're not <laughs> letting, Teddy. Teddy, go. We're not letting uh, Teddy Bridge over Trouble Waters go anywhere. But really, that's the big question is Mm -hmm. who's going to be that starting quarterback? Because Carson Palmer is retired. Drew Stanton is a free agent. You do have Matt Barkley. You do have Yo Gabba Gabba. Like, are are you excited about Matt Barkley or Blaine Gabbert? Because I am not. And that's the question. However, they could go at 15 and go and draft a quarterback like I had in my mock draft where I had him going with Lamar Action Jackson at 15, or a Mason Rudolph at a 15. 
Yeah. Or if you think uh, that's kind of high for either of those quarterbacks, trading up to get a Baker Mayfield, to get a Josh Allen, to get, um, I don't think they trade up for two or one to get Rosen or Darnold, but that's going to be the big thing for Wilkes. And if he can't get a quarterback year one, it's not going to be a very successful season for him in his first year in Arizona. Yeah. And that's going to be a difficult thing because I do think that so many teams and and GMs especially are so pressed to get that quarterback. And if you don't get the quarterback and it doesn't work out, you get rid of the coach because somehow you're blaming the coach because a GM doesn't want the blame on them. Mm -hmm. They're going to pin it on a coach right off the bat. So you do have some some danger there uh, for Wilkes. But really, I like it. I think he will build this Cardinals defense back to a very solid level. And I'm, I'm honestly, as much as I like to make fun of his press conference, I'm pretty happy with it. I think that's going to do it for the Wilkes talk. The camera died on us, idiot Ricky. I brought the other battery over by the camera. Didn't put it in the camera. Well, it's there. Didn't put it in the camera. It's nearby. So you're looking at the logo on YouTube. I apologize for that. Before we go through the end of the podcast, what's your prediction for the Pro Bowl? NFC. Fifty to seven. Does it matter? That's 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 my prediction. Does it matter? You let me know down the below. What was it? The uh, mm-hmm. it's just play the rock right here. It doesn't matter because it doesn't matter. It's the Pro Bowl. But thank you guys for watching and listening to the onside kick this week. A little bit of housekeeping here at the end. If you liked what you listened to and saw, go and check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. If you can throw a couple bucks our way, it would mean a lot to us and it would really help us out. Also, go and check out the MVP.com, most valuable podcast.com. Actually, um, that's where everything goes up. We're selling t shirts down below in the description. If you're on iTunes, go ahead and give us a five star rating. And last but not least, if you haven't given us your feedback in the MVP survey, please go ahead and give us that feedback. We're going to be using this last week to collect the final responses and then give you guys our thoughts to your feedback and kind of go over some things next week. But I want to thank you guys for either watching, I'm pointing at the camera, but you can't see me, or listening. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.